Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan here and you are listening to episode number 94 of the Creator Smarts podcast. If you are an online creator, I'm sure you thought about selling online courses, right? Maybe you are already selling online courses. Now, my question for you is, are you also selling a community or at least offering a community? The reason I'm asking this is, I mean, if people have been following you for a while and they think that you are the right person to teach them something, they will buy your courses for sure. But people actually also have a very strong need for community and belonging. Um, and that's something that we often forget. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk to Tom from Eat, Sleep, Dream English. Uh, he has a big YouTube channel where he teaches English. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about how you can build a community, also monetize a community and how you can build a community within your online courses. Uh, that's just one of the topics that we're going to talk about. Um, we're also going to talk about the benefits of writing and selling books in your business. Um, Tom has published a book and uh, he's going to tell us some of the lessons that he has learned. Um, also going to talk about building a community through Instagram and how you can leverage Instagram to create more engagement for your business. All right, so these are just some of the topics. Uh, let's get started. Here's my interview with Tom. Hope you enjoy. This is the Create the Smarts podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following into a profitable, future-proof education business that you control without being at the mercy of sponsors or algorithm changes. Each week we interview the world's leading creators to find out what strategies they use to diversify, stabilize and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey Tom, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do. Cool, thank you for having me, Jan. Um, yes, yeah, so I um, run a YouTube channel called Eat, Sleep, Dream English. Um, I also have an Instagram account. Um, I teach English to people around the world. Um, hopefully, a sort of fresh, modern British English. That's my focus. Um, and I've been doing it uh, since 2016. Since two, since 2016 online, but you have been working as a teacher for a while, right? So tell us a little bit about your, your background. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I left uni, went into TV, uh, did one year at the BBC, and that didn't really, didn't really fulfill me. So I, uh, my mum was a teacher, an English teacher, and so I sort of followed in her footsteps. Um, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree in my family. And so I, yeah, I went into teaching English. I wanted it as a sort of a way to, to travel. So I did my CELTA, uh, and then I went to live in Spain for a year, taught in Spain. Um, and then I went to Argentina um, and taught in Argentina for a year. And then my last stop was Hong Kong. So I went to live in Hong Kong for three and a half years and absolutely loved all those experiences. Um, taught you know, young learners, um, adults, um, exams, all kinds of things. And then in 2006, uh, 15, nearly 2015, uh, my mum uh, was quite unwell, so I had to come back to London to, to look after her. And uh, so I arrived in London, back back home in London, uh, the beginning of 2016, and uh, I wasn't able to work. I wasn't able to uh, 
to, to do anything um, except for uh, I, you know, I wanted to start something. Um, so I was like, I need, I've got this creativity that I need to get out there. Um, and so I thought about starting um, a YouTube channel um, and going back a little bit, actually, in 2012, I started a podcast um, uh, called Eat, Sleep, Dream English. And that was just, I don't know, I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time and it was just, I was taking people around London um, and describing what I could see and I create worksheets to help them. So for example, I went to the London Marathon and I was there sort of recording everything and, and trying to describe what I could see. And then, yeah, I'd have the worksheets for people and then I'd upload it. I can't just onto some random uh, site that I'd created um, and then, and so that was the kind of, I guess, the genesis of it all. And that kind of died off when I went to Hong Kong. And then uh, when I arrived back in London, I was like, well, I need something um, to, to, you know, to sort of an outlet of some kind. And that's when I was like, oh, well, I did the podcast. And then I thought, well, actually, like, you know, how do people learn best? Um, and I think they do learn through audio. But I was like, well, I, maybe adding that visual component as well. So that's when I started the YouTube channel. And I'd been using YouTube um, in my lessons in uh, Hong Kong. And so, you know, I was kind of inspired by that. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's where it all began. Yeah. Have you never regretted that you stopped the uh, the podcast? Because 2012, <laughs> it's a good time to, was a good time to start a podcast, right? Yeah, it was a really good time. And like, yeah, much, you know, I mean, got, podcasts have just blown up, haven't they? I mean, I am obsessed with podcasts. Um, and I mean, yeah, talking to the right man here, like podcasts are just <laughs> incredible. I, mean, I love the way that you can, you know, you can, you can multitask, you can be doing whatever you want. Um, I mean, the podcasts I listen to kind of, uh, they, you know, they escort me on my runs, on my walks. It's just a fantastic way to learn. I think for, um, English language learning, I, yeah, I just felt like perhaps like the, the visual side of things would be, uh, would really helpful. Not to say that you can't learn through podcasts, but yeah, just for me, I was that's how I wanted to teach. So, yeah. and also I wanted to explore YouTube as a platform. I thought it was quite an exciting place to be. Yeah, was the but, podcast still alive when you started the uh, the YouTube channel? Do you know that? Uh, it might still be on there somewhere. I have no <laughs> idea. Actually. I, have, I haven't checked. Yeah, I, I hope not. Actually, to be honest, it's probably <laughs> quite embarrassing now. I don't know if you've had this, but when you look back at your old content, you yeah. Think, oh Lord, what was I doing? But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's good, right? Because it means that we improved in the meanwhile. Well, this is exactly it. Yeah, like you look back at your first effort and um, and if you don't see an improvement, then I think that's that's a worry, right? So I've always sort of um, looked at my videos as almost like mini failures. It's like, okay, I mean, w whether it goes to 10,000 people, 10 people, whatever it is, it's like, okay, fine. But why didn't it go to... A bigger number like what what was it in that video that i i didn't that, that i could do better so yeah i guess if you don't seek to improve every time then yeah you're stationary aren't you do you do you watch your your own videos after publishing <laughs> or you only look at the statistics uh, yeah i just look at the statistics to be honest um i have gone back and looked at a few of the old ones and cringed quite a lot so i tend not to yeah i try i try not to yeah do you listen to your podcast back do you kind of go back and um not really because i remember the conversation but i don't find it i don't find it as embarrassing as watching my old youtube videos for example um i was just um yeah i find it more embarrassing to see myself on camera but i guess a podcast 
it's a bit better for that. I'm not really sure why. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like the visual side of things. Yeah. Light lighting and like haircuts and, <laughs> you know, you just look back at clothes, just think, oh, what was I doing? Um, so, yeah, that's definitely something that I try not to look at too much. Yeah. All right. So 2016. Um, so you were forced to come back to, to London, right, to the UK. Um, how confident were you that you could start your own business or that you could start a YouTube channel and eventually turn it into a business? Yeah, to be honest, it was, it was, I, I don't know, I, I remember hearing a quote where it's like, um, you know, to make profound changes in your life, uh, you need either inspiration or desperation. And I think for me, I was sort of in between the two where I was inspired to create content, um, better content than I'd seen on YouTube at the time. But also it was desperation. I, I, to be honest, I had given up my career in, in Hong Kong, I, yeah. you know, my life there. I was really happy out there. Um, and so it was more out of desperation. It was just a, like, this has to work. Um, and I was confident in my, uh, my knowledge, my, my language teaching knowledge. And it was just a matter of um, if I could translate that to a successful YouTube channel. And so, uh, yeah, no, I wasn't confident. No, well, yeah, I, I didn't know if it would succeed. And actually for the first year and a half, it, it didn't. I mean, I you know did the first video and I'm sure any content creator that, that listens to your podcast will know, like, I, you know, put the first one out thinking this is going to explode. This is going to be massive. Like, I, you know, wow, I just need to put it out there and it will, it will happen. And then crickets, right? Like the first video, like 10, I mean, 10 views, I think it was five of which were family. Um, and then I, you know, that sort of, that was like, uh, okay, right. I need to, I need to uh, do something different. And so, you know, I put out a second video, but this time maybe I added uh, a bit of audio or, or some music or just something just to, to try and improve on that first video. And uh, yeah, that second one went to 20 views. But yeah, for the first year and a half, I mean, really nothing happened on my channel, um, which was tough, but it was just that, that desperation. It was just like, this has to work. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I have to make this work. Yeah, I think there's a very interesting point that you have there because I talk to you know, I talk to successful people here in a podcast, but sometimes also um, n not on the podcast, just in person with uh, with people. And um, I think that some of them were were somehow lucky. They just started doing some things, and apparently the the audience. Um, or there is a demand for that kind of content that they create, and therefore they grow very quickly, uh, organically. But you know, others they they just have put in the work, and the reason they put in the work is because they were in a very uncomfortable situation, and it, and they wanted change, right? I remember, I remember when when we moved out from from Brussels and we built this house here. I just taught you about it before uh, before we record the interview, right? But just for our listeners. Um, uh, a year ago, we, we used to live in, in Brussels and we decided that we wanted to leave the town. Um, and that was actually also when we got our first baby. And um, so we bought a piece of land and we built this house. It was, was expensive. And then we got we got our first son. And then a year later, we also got our daughter, right? So there's a lot of pressure. All of a sudden, there was a lot of pressure on me. And I actually talked about this in in one of our mastermind events that we organize every now and then. And, you know, this was also when I started Langpreneur. And um, I think that pressure, like that state of being so uncomfortable, like I have to, just like you said, uh, this has to work. Right? We ha there has to be a way. We have to find a way to make it work. 
is is uncomfortable. It's not is not it's not a good feeling. But yeah, sometimes that's just what you what you need to do those things that nobody else wants to do, right? So you were in a similar situation from what I understand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, kids it adds that pressure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I can see why that would motivate you. And like I, I heard, you know, I heard someone say like, "Luck is hard work um, plus opportunity," right? And it's, yeah. it's exactly that. It's like you. It's. Uh, you know, I remember Joe Wicks, a very successful YouTuber, saying that you know he's a ten-year overnight success, and it's that's exactly it. Like I don't know anyone that just like turned on the camera, uploaded a video, and bang, they are successful. It was like we've all every YouTuber I know has put in the hard work. They've balanced and a lot of us have balanced you know our regular job with our youtube channel or with our podcast or or whatnot and then you know you know with any luck you're able to transition more of your time over to your to your business and to to what you love doing and thankfully like i didn't make that transition but for a long time you're you're juggling everything and you're getting up at five in the morning to edit a video going to bed at you know past midnight uh, to upload it yeah yeah absolutely um but it's you know, I know it's a cliche, but the journey is kind of the fun part, right? Like I, mm. I'm loving, I'm, I, I love that part, and I continue to love the journey. Yeah, I mean, afterwards, it's always it's always much easier to look back on on those days and think, I just had to do it, and I'm fine with it, right? But it's hard when you're still in that first year, no signs of traction, <laughs> questioning yourself uh, all the time: Is this going to work out or not? Why did you? Because you went all in, right? Why didn't you decide to? to teach part-time and then run this YouTube channel on the side, for example? Yeah, no, well, so no I, I, I did. To be honest, the first uh, year and a half, I, I wasn't able to, to work. So I was just, I, you know, caring for my mum and then doing the YouTube channel when I could. Um, and then eventually I was able to, to, to do some work. So I did uh, teach one-to-one, um, which was great. So I was doing that on the side. So that was a bit of money coming in. Um, and no, no, yeah, I think I, I was teaching for about two and a half years, something like that, before I went full time. I think that's right. Um, but yeah, for, for a while, yeah, I was balancing the two. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you started four or five years ago. Um, did you have an idea of what the business could become eventually or the, or, or the YouTube channel? Like were there any other players out there that already did have big YouTube channels? Maybe we've had them on the show. Um yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, certainly when I started, there were some big channels. I remember Engvid uh, being one, I think is a um, a channel that has lots of different teachers and they they congregate. It's, I've got a name, I've forgotten the name now, multi-channel something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they were, they were big players. Um, and um, one of my good friends now, uh, Papa Teach Me, uh, he was, he'd been doing it for a long time and he, he was big. Um, and so, yeah, you, you, yeah, people like that, but yeah, I think I joined YouTube probably at the same time as a lot of people. Um, there's a few of us that joined who are kind of my contemporaries now, um, who've gone, um, gone on to, to do great things. And yeah, so I think there's a few of us, but, uh, in terms of how I saw the business, I mean, I, I, I remember reading, um, a book called Content Inc. Um, and it's a kind of, um, content marketing concept. Um, and the idea is, you know, build your audience, listen to your audience, and then, you know, uh, provide the products that they want. And so I'd always had that in mind. I was like, okay, I'm going to build the, build the audience. Um, 
then yeah that was the first phase and then listen to them see what they want and then from that create the product and who knows where it goes from there i think you know often um i mean you i think youtube started off as a dating app and then became this video platform so often when you start a business you don't necessarily know where it's going to end up but um yeah i think i always knew that i wanted to build out products and that's kind of where i'm at in the stage i'm at at the moment and you know i i, I definitely like you know this conversation right now i'm I'm in the process you know it's like uh, this is like i said it's a journey it's like i'm definitely not someone sitting back sort of talking about my career going oh i did this this and this it's like no i'm in it i'm in the trenches building things now and nothing's quite where i want it to be but i feel like i'm I'm on the way there so yeah, yeah definitely learning as i go yeah so how do you manage to to quit your job and and do this full-time um, when you didn't have any products yet, just AdSense as sponsorships or with other revenue streams? Yeah, so, um, well, f eventually uh, a video popped. Um, the YouTube algorithm gods favored it for some reason. I have no idea why. It's, just, it's not my best video. My dodgy eyebrows, bad lighting. But it eventually um, kind of popped and it dragged the rest of the channel with it. And, and so, you know, sort of... Um, the the YouTube AdSense um, increased and it got to a point where I was like, okay, that's okay, not bad. Um, and then from there, with a bit of traction, then um, I got uh, sponsorship deals. Um, so that was really good. So then you got AdSense, then you got um, sponsorship deals, and the two together, and then also teaching um, privately one to one. So those three kind of um, uh, money, um, sort of, um, yeah, ways to get money were were fantastic. And then, yeah, and then I think I just took the plunge um, about, I guess it probably was about a year and a half ago, I, I went full-time, I think. That is the timeline. Um, and since then, I've, yeah, created a product and, and, and trying to just build out my, my revenue streams from there. But, yeah. um, you never miss teaching in a classroom? Uh, it's really good fun. Don't get me wrong. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I do love that one-to-one -one interaction, particularly. I mean, the big classrooms as well were amazing. Um, but I just feel like I want to, I want to reach more people, and this is the this is the best way to do it, um, is to, to to get online. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Let, yes, there's nothing better than working with one person one to one and really seeing a difference with them. Yeah. So you teach English, British English. You you live in London. Do you often get recognised in the streets? <laughs> Occasionally. I mean, yeah, not very much. Obviously, not in lockdown. Clearly, uh, it has happened, <laughs> and that's really fun. I, I absolutely love it when people um they kind of give you this look and i either think i'm about to get robbed or they know who i am <laughs> thankfully it's the, it's the latter um and yeah that's no, always great like we have like a quick chat and obviously there's a, a slight maybe you've had this as well like when you meet someone and they know probably a lot more about you yeah. than you do about them so yeah. there's a bit of a knowledge gap which i try to um, uh, to even out as quickly as I can to sort of find out who they are, where they're from, um, what they love doing, all that stuff. But yeah, uh, no, I love it. It's, it's great when it happens. It's really fun. Yeah, cool. I see that you, uh, you're you selling an e-book um, or, or maybe also a physical book now. Why, why did you decide to publish your book, your own book? Yeah, it's, it's a paperback, yeah. Oh. So, um, so this was the first product that I created and it, it came from conversations with my audience um, wanting to know what, what they wanted. Um, and a lot of them, you know, were fascinated by British English and particularly like slang phrases. And often the videos that I did about British slang um, did quite well. And I was like, well, that's, you know, I've got I've got some knowledge in that area. So um, 
I'll create something. And I think also the idea of writing a book, the challenge of writing a book, and also just having something physical. I mean, we work in this digital world, and it's great, and it's, there's some amazing opportunities, but having something physical, I, you know, I just I really value that. So having something tactile for people to hold and touch and feel. Um, and so I, I, yeah, just started writing the book. So just, it's a kind of um, a mixture between a dictionary and a travel guide, sort of cultural guide. It's got a big chunk. Um, it's all about uh, British English phrases, um, expressions. There's some Cockney rhyming slang. There's some stuff on British accents. And then there's the cultural stuff. So, um, you know, um, famous people uh, that you should know. If you if you come to Britain, famous names that you'll hear, um, uh, TV shows that you might want to watch to, to learn English. So it's, yeah, it's a kind of a mix of the two. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it as a paperback um, and also as an, as an e-book as well. Yeah. Um, so, so why do you decide to write a physical book and not, for example, an online course? I mean, I know that it's cool, right, to have a physical book. Online courses, on the other hand, can um, can be more expensive, more profitable as well. Like, who would you recommend uh, to write their their own book? Or what are the benefits of having your own book? Ah, it's a good question. Yeah, um, I think I think the fact that it it is a little bit rarer these days to to produce a book so it makes you stand out a little bit um it also as i said it has that sort of that that physical aspect to it so um it's a it, it, it you know obviously the digital world is real but it, it, it's a real thing that you can hold um yeah. and that's huge and and you know i've sent it out to people um and they send me photos back with them holding it in wherever they are you know tunisia or, or germany it doesn't matter and so that that's an aspect to it and i think also just it there's i think we attach a lot of um um a lot of perhaps there's something about having a book that's just you know it's all your knowledge in one place yeah. there's something it gives you quite, authority as well right right exactly that's the word exactly some a sense of authority you know authority that you know you know you, you know the subject matter and yeah i think people really respond to that and and perhaps also you know, we've been learning through textbooks and books all our lives, possibly, and you know, my audience is, you know, predominantly, I'd say 18 to 36, 37, but, um, you know, we've been learning in, through the written form and through books. So perhaps there's a familiarity there as well. I, I'm not sure, but mm. um, it's for me as well. It's like a stepping stone. It's not the only product that I want to create. I think it's like the first one, but it's just the one that I wanted to have as the kind of, right, this is this is the marker this is yeah this is something that i can offer to the world yeah it also shows why you're so unique right what makes you unique your unique approach um it establishes the authority it's like okay here this is what i'm all about and if, if you like this book then you also like the other courses that i'm going to create for you yeah exactly exactly and and it's one it's the kind of book that you can pick up um have a leaf through you know um you know, learn something quickly and then put it down again. You know, it's, it's, you know, you don't need to read it from cover to cover. So I think that as well, yeah. it lends itself to, to learning. Yeah. Selling it on your website or also on websites like Amazon, for example? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it's, so yeah, it's, this is, this is, this has been a struggle and, um, I would definitely, you know, if anyone is interested in self-publishing, um, definitely, um, definitely consider all the variations because it, it was a real struggle it wasn't easy at all um 
and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And perhaps if I had known, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it. But I'm glad that I'm, I'm out the other end. But I, I pl- had plans to publish through um, Kinden, sorry, uh, Amazon print on demand. That was the idea. I'd get the manuscript up there and then, you know, they would print it as people bought it. But that became um, far too expensive um, to, you know, I, you know, I think the numbers were, I'd have to price it at like twenty four ninety nine British pounds, and I'd get like one pound profit for every book. Really? I was just like, "Well, this is this is not feasible." So I had to look for alternatives. So I found a, a publishing house myself. Um, sorry, a, a, a publisher myself um, who published it for me, um, and then I distributed myself. So I've I use Amazon um, FBA, so fulfilled by Amazon. Yeah. So you you you, know, you send a um, a number of boxes. Um, to them, they fulfill it for you, obviously taking a fee. Um, and that was, uh, I actually started off uh, with Amazon FBA um, when I released it in November and I was across Europe. So it was great. I, they have, um, it was available on like, you know, German um, Amazon and French Amazon and that it sold really well. And then, and then Brexit happened um, and that was no longer possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so from the U- so i wasn't able to sell out of the uk so i can only sell on amazon i can only sell to the uk um so i fulfill all the the rest of the world orders myself so it's just um it's quite a you know, sort of basic way of doing things but again it's a kind of a it's, it's a temporary situation and like i said like i'm on the journey and i haven't quite found the perfect um way to do it but at the moment, that's where I'm at. Amazon do the UK and I do the rest of the world until I find a, a better solution. Yeah. So why do you think it was so expensive to 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 have your books printed on the month uh, through Amazon? Because I thought that that was what, what most people did. Like, is, you, is your book too big or too many colors or you, do you know why? Yeah. I haven't had a chance to sit down with Mr. Bezos yet, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's um, 288 pages of color. So possibly that's a factor. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. But thankfully, I found a, a way around it that makes it economically viable. But um, yeah, certainly um, I would look at it again. Certainly if I was doing a black and white option, I would look at it again. But yeah, color, a large size like that, no, it's, it was just not, not workable. Yeah. So what would you say to anyone who's interested in publishing their own books? Um and they also want to leverage Amazon's network, for example. Should they should they go for this FBA thing where you find a publisher yourself, you get it printed, and then you, you sell it through the Amazon platform? Or would you still recommend to use the Amazon's print-on-demand um, service? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think um, do your research for sure. Um, I think the print-on-demand option is really great if it's black and white. Because I think the, the the markups and the margins there were were, were really workable. Mm. I think if you're doing a color copy, um, you might want to uh, think about your options. Um, I yeah, personally, I, I, you, again, do your research in terms of uh, printers. So finding a good printer, um, that could, yeah, there's loads. They, they give you quotes all the time. Yeah, just instant quotes. So getting your quotes done, um, and then I mean, you yeah, also you know weighing up. Do you want a a paperback, a, a physical copy, or do you want to have just the the ebook form? Because you know, do you want the headache? It, I mean, for all the, the the joy of having a physical copy, there is it, it's a massive headache, and it has taken up a lot of my time. So I think 
balancing that out in your mind, um, having the ebook version. But, I mean, then you want to think about copyright and or having control of your copyright. So I've gone with Amazon Kindle because I feel that there's some sense of control over my copyright um, as opposed to just having a PDF just selling out of my of my website. So again, it's just all it's it's what you want. It's what you want to get from this book. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's completely up to the individual. But I, I'm glad that I went down the route that I went. Um, and certainly there was there's yeah having the physical copy has been fantastic, and um, seeing it sort of appear around the world has been great. How important is Amazon for you when it comes to lead generation? Because one, you know, another benefit of selling books online, right, is that Amazon is going to push this books if it has a good rating, at least to to that audience, right, or at least a part of it. Um, do you think that most of the sales come through your YouTube channel, or that you have also some additional sales that Amazon's that Amazon brings in? Yeah, good question. I, to be honest, I would say that almost all of it would come from my my social media channel. Okay. I, 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 <laughs> I don't think Amazon are pushing me too hard um, up, up against the you know the big uh, titles. Um, so yeah, no, it, it, you know, in my YouTube channel, uh, sorry, my YouTube videos, obviously, I, I talk about the book um, just at least for a, a small section, just promoting it in every single one and occasional insta stories and you can see a boost if i if i promote my book um on insta stories then i see uh, a bit of an uplift uh, in sales um so that's been great so you know i i leverage my my social media channels mostly that's that's the best way to get the book out there for sure yeah so you you pretty have you have a pretty big youtube channel right if you're on a thousand subscribers there um do you have any special you know tips or pieces that advice that you want to share with other upcoming youtubers i mean how did you how did you manage to grow the channel so big we usually talk about you know, consistency is important right getting started at the right time uh, hard to know that in advance but also important um just creating good content look at the content that performs well do more of what works is there anything else that you have to say about this when it comes to growing a channel yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, those are all fantastic. Those are the kinds of things that I would definitely talk about. Consistency was one of my big things. The, you know, uploading twice a week, Tuesday, Friday, going to once a week. Um, thumbnails and titles, my goodness, how important they are. And again, I'm still working on perfecting all that. Um, and you sometimes look at a, uh, a thumbnail that you've created and you think, you know, I think, I think that's going to do great. And, and, it, and it doesn't. And you think, okay, well, you know, there, there's so many like sort of moving parts to a, to a successful YouTube video. Like, the title, a thumbnail, you know, the first 15 seconds. I think, for me, I think getting giving people value as quickly as possible is is so important. Mm -hmm. I mean, waffling, and I've done it. I'm guilty waffling um, at the beginning. You know, um, promising something in the title thumbnail that you don't deliver on until minute three or four. I mean it's just going to send a viewer away. So delivering value as quickly as you can, you know, don't mess around. I mean, the, you know, having a nice little uh, jingle at the beginning, it's great, but it's, you know, keep it short. Um, so I think that delivering, delivering value. And then obviously speaking to your audience, finding out, you know, what kind of content they want. Um, yeah. I mean, I've listened to your podcast before. There's been some great tips um, from other people, um, you know, kind of looking around at other, channels and seeing what's successful obviously not copying but kind of just having your own take on on certain topics and stuff and um i think for me that was 
that was one of the the changes was actually talking to other creators and finding out what works for them and that's really helped me inform my channel um and and the kind of content i create yeah so do you talk to other creators in the uh the english teaching niche or also other other creators in in other niches and how do you connect yeah yeah i mean we connected through uh youtube events so um yeah it's fantastic in london there is um um somewhere you could go um youtube space where you could meet um, other youtubers other creators uh which has just been amazing like uh, parties um or um kind of yeah general events um workshops and so it was there that i've <clears throat> i've met a lot of um my youtube friends and um actually one of them uh i met a guy called ed hope who's a, a british doctor um who has a youtube channel he's called uh, dr hope sick notes and um he was the f- he we were chatting about content and he showed me his channel and he took a lot of um pop culture um tv shows um and then he'd react to them and um and, and yeah he was talking about my channel he was like well you know why don't you try that on yours like why don't you take a um you know you know show a tv show and and react to it or teach you know teaching this through that um that show and that was a real spark for me that was a real like oh, okay wow yeah i hadn't thought about that and so that took my channel on a totally different um path which has been fantastic um so yeah those those kind of events where you are talking to other people and just sparking ideas and you're not doing what they're doing but you're you know you're, you're giving your own sort of um take on things yeah. yeah it's been it's been fantastic it's important to talk to all the like-minded people right because it's so easy for us to i mean like the kind of work that we do is very lonely right it's, it's very easy for us to just lock ourselves up in our rooms and just you know <laughs> not get any input um try to do everything ourselves so that's actually also one of the reasons that we started the podcast right just to share to share all these ideas and uh yeah, yeah you can do that through a podcast like- going to events even better yeah, it's funny. Like so many people in the first couple of weeks of lockdown, are being like, "You know, are you okay? Like, are you, you know, are you how are you how are you how are you doing?" And it's like, I, you know, we're YouTubers. Like, we've been living in lockdown yeah, for as long yeah. as we've been YouTubers. It's kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, you're sort of quite isolated. And, and yeah, so there's a real joy in in these events, um, just being able to to share, you know, you have to speak to someone who who knows exactly what you're going through because they're going through the same thing and. Um, yeah, because we don't have colleagues. Like I, you know, when I worked in in schools, particularly in Hong Kong, I had a great teaching, you know, teaching room. Uh, great friends there. Like between classes, we we chat, we laugh, and that I love that side of it. Um, and you, you know, you really miss that when you when you go online. Um, so yeah, if you can get it anywhere, then um, yeah, this is great. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about because you said that you have lots of videos on on pop culture. Uh, how does that how does that work and how has it helped your channel to grow? Yeah, well, I, I think it, it probably, it's, you know, it comes from a place of having gone through the British education system, um, you know, learning French. And, you know, from, I mean, I learned French for like maybe six, seven, eight years. I can't remember. And I cannot say a full sentence in French because the teachers, it was so prescribed and it just lacked any imagination or creativity it it didn't it didn't stir up any any joy for the language inside you i had no curiosity to learn french because they didn't tell me why i should learn french that you can watch films you can you go to france and chat to people you can you know uh, you can listen to songs um 
all that stuff was just completely missing in my my language education. And so I think yeah, even the classrooms, I always try to think, well, you know, how would I want to be learning English? And I'd want to be learning it through the culture, um, through TV, film, poems, you know, radio, wh- whatever it is, songs. And so I, I took that into Eat, Sleep, Dream English, where I thought, <laughs> well, I started with uh, an Ed Sheeran song. I did um, Shape of You. Um, and this was inspired by another uh, creator called Chika by Lingirl, um, who was huge. And she has a, a largely Japanese audience. And she sort of spoofed Taylor Swift songs and taught English through them. And I was like, that's an amazing idea. I'd love to do something similar. So I did um, Ed Sheeran. I put on a, a wig and glasses. And I sort of spoofed out the 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 music video and taught English through that. And it, 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 it sort of did quite well. And people really responded to it. And so I... I was thinking, well, okay, I need to continue that. But um, I don't think I did many of those kind of videos until I had that conversation with um, Ed, who I was talking about earlier. And he said, just try bringing some TV shows in. So then um, I think I did uh, an Adele video where I took clips of her um, doing carpool karaoke with James Corden. And and I sort of um, analyzed her accent for, you know, Cockney features, uh, RP features. And, um, and again, that did did quite well. So, and it was really fun as well. I loved doing it. So it was kind of meeting um, both the needs of my audience and my creative needs. So it's perfect. And and then just since then, I've just tried to bring in all kinds of um, uh, British culture because again, I think people they come to my channel not just for British English but for the cultural side of things too. You know, they might love um, Game of Thrones. So and you know, lots of accents. Game of Thrones are, are British. So you know, that maybe that there's, there's an interest there or the crown or um, Downton Abbey, things like that. And then uh, one I did recently was um, Harry Styles in One Direction. So I, I took Harry Styles and a couple of interviews with him. And I sort of tra- traced the way his accents changed over time, yeah. going from um, sort of Chester all the way to, to, uh, to Hollywood now. And um, and yeah, a whole bunch of One Direction fans found my video and they were just like, oh my God. And I think it was because I... I'd sort of given them, uh, I know, a different perspective on something they, they knew. You know, Harry Styles, they'd seen a million videos of Harry Styles, but this was a new perspective on him, teaching him uh, his accent, and, and they loved it. And they were like, oh, we know, uh, we want you to do uh, Zayn. And I'm like, oh, well, who's Zayn? I don't know who Zayn is. So I had to kind of find out who Zayn was. And that's another member of One Direction. And so, uh, so I went through all the One Direction boys, did all their accents. And, um, and again, I think, again, people just love, you know, learning English, but doing it, through something that they also love and yeah. I sort of I guess piggybacked the the One yeah. Direction name and, and so it really it really helped yeah. um, so you look at the trending topics and then you create videos on those topics and then you combine that with uh, you, you teach English as well yeah I don't know I don't know if I do trending I probably should do trending much more like think about what's the, the next what's the big thing and what's the next big thing but yeah it's certainly just picking out the big names in British culture mm. and um, finding a way to, to teach through that. Yeah. Your main focus is YouTube, but you're also active on other platforms, right? Uh, like Instagram. Um, are you active on other platforms besides Instagram? Or? Uh, I, I, was, I was on Facebook, um, but I've sort of, I've, my focus has not been there at all in the last two years, I think. But Instagram, I really love Instagram because I, I love the interaction. I love the connection I have with my audience. And it's, you, you know, you, YouTube, you feel connected, but perhaps there's some, a little bit of distance. 
but with Instagram, I just feel like I'm there with them. And the, that's what I love about it. And so particularly through Insta stories, um, having that immediacy uh, of someone, I put something up and someone replies to me immediately and I can, you know, yeah, they DM me and I can DM them. We can share videos. Um, I love, I love that. The community aspect of Instagram is, is, is my, is my favorite thing. So how do you divide your time between those two platforms? Um, so with YouTube, I, I upload once a week um, on a Friday, and that's the big sort of main piece of content I'll do for the week. Um, and then on Instagram, I try and post three or four times a week if I can. Um, I'm not so disciplined. Um, but then, and then on Insta stories, whenever inspiration comes to me, um, I'll, I'll jump on there. So um, because I want to add a bit of British culture, I'll, you know, if I'm, I'm out and about in London, I'll try and show people where I am because um, again they love that they love seeing um, they love not seeing just Britain but they love seeing me in a different context other than in front of a green screen so they love that and then um, and then you know just doing fun challenges and stuff on, on on Insta stories so doing British accent challenges I did one today where um, I gave them um, a line from Game of Thrones and they have to and I taught them the the pronunciation features of that phrase and then they have to, uh, you know, to to film themselves doing it, upload it, and I'll um, I'll pick a winner and stuff. So, yeah, stuff like that is fantastic. And um, something else I do on Insta Stories, I um, uh, when it's someone's birthday, I say to them, you know, let me know if it's when when it's your birthday or if it's your friend's birthday or whatever. Uh, let me know, and I'll record uh, a little short video, and you can choose the accent because I do lots of silly, <laughs> quite bad accents. Yeah, so they say like, yeah, it's my my birthday tomorrow. Could you do it in a Cockney accent or a you know, Glaswegian accent? I love filming it. It's just these ten seconds, but having that connection with my audience is just so meaningful. And you know, they they're happy. And yeah, so I think that's what Instagram gives you is is that level of of connection. Yeah, can you also record videos in uh, in a Dutch accent? <laughs> Uh, not one of my specialities. No one <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is the uh, what is the future of of your business? I mean, you have this big following, right, on YouTube, also on Instagram. You have a book. Um, you have uh, an audience that seems to like your content, right? You engage a lot. What's what's the next step? Yeah, I think there are several different routes that I want to go down. I'm creating an online course at the moment. Um, I know you've talked a lot about online courses and online creation, um, which has been fantastic. And so, yeah, I'm in the process of um, launching the beta version of my pronunciation course um, in a few weeks' time. So that's definitely uh, my main focus at the moment. And I'd like to expand that out. Um, I want a kind of a suite of, of courses for people. Um, I'm interested in, um, in another book. I've started another book, which is more like a travel guide to London, uh, but for you know, people who maybe have moved here um, or who are coming here for 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 some time so that's an interesting um angle to go down and then in improving really upping the the production levels on my on my youtube videos so i'm looking into a new series um that's going to involve you know um a videographer and um just upping upping the game on youtube i think it's definitely those are the three sort of uh paths that i'm 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 looking at at the moment um yeah, but there's so many opportunities, aren't there? I mean, yeah, it's kind of overwhelming. And, and I think I'm someone that I have a list of, you know, 20 
product ideas and 20 um, paths I could go down and it's just choosing the right one, the, the, or the, the one that suits the moment, you know. So at the moment for me, it's the online course. Yeah, right. So that, that's always the big question, right? You, I mean, we as entrepreneurs, we always have these huge lists, as you said. And then what, what are we going to do next, right? And um, I think one way to do it is by having a clear vision, right? A clear goal of where you want to go. And then you can make um, like, um, yeah, how do you call it? Like a chart and, and, and measure what are the activities that, I, that you can do quickly that are going to make a big impact, right? So they need to make a big impact. And ideally, they're not too much work. Make a, yeah. That way you can make a chart for yourself and see what those activities, identify those activities and double down on that. So in your yeah. case, you say it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the, the course, which makes a lot of sense, uh, by the way, especially if you already have a big audience. Yeah, and I think with a lot of them, and for a lot of us, um, it, th there's a lot of work up front, you know, yeah. and before before you you see any reward. Um, so uh, so I guess it, it's really important that it sort of emphasizes how important it is to make the right decision to choose the right product because you do all this work and then then no one buys it. It's, it's, it can be kind of devastating. And thankfully, so far I haven't had that experience yet, but. I can completely uh, see how it could happen. So, yeah, yeah. any tips from you uh, would be, would be really helpful. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have a mailing list? I do. Yes, I've I've built up a mailing list. Um, I think that's one of those lessons you learn early on. There's lots yeah. of social media experts saying you know don't don't build your house on rented land and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Having an email uh, list is, is great. Have you have you surveyed them? Ask them what they want. I mean that that's a principle that you mentioned at the beginning, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've done a couple of surveys, just finding out um, you know, what products they want, and that, that's where the, the book came from, and that's where the course came from. And then within that, like in the process of creating the course, surveying them again, and now I've got yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of cohort, I've got a cohort of twenty students that I've been kind of working with building oh, cool. the course, um, and I've been asking them like, what's the? Yeah, you know, I jumped on Zoom calls with them and sort of asked them, you know. What, you know, how can I make this the best course possible yeah. for you? Um, and you, know, you get a range of ideas and, and try to implement as many as you can. But um, I think, and this is maybe a question I'd, I'd love to ask you, is building a community within an online course. Because I think that seems to be the, the theme that comes up over and over again yeah. is, okay, I don't just want to do the online course. We can all just watch videos. But having a sense of community within an online course, I mean, do you you have experience of that? Like any thoughts on 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 how one would do that? It's on on how, on how to do it. Uh, oh yeah, on on yeah, how to make people feel like they're part of a community within a course. So maybe uh, what what platform you might use Facebook groups or, yeah. or or whatever. So what I've seen what works very well, what's working very well for other Langpreneurs, you do have strong communities. I think first of all, um, you know, the fact that you have a, a YouTube channel is uh, is a great help because people are not just subscribed to a blog. Like all these people, what all these people have in common is, is that they like your content, right? It's like having a friend in common. So I, I, I think YouTubers have a big advantage here. If they bring people together, then they are automatically quite strong connected because they already know you as a person not just the blog but also visually um what i what i see works well 
in the industry is um, challenges, right? So you put people together in a group, and you say, okay, for the next, whatever, for the next month or three months, 90 days, we're going to learn something together, right? That way people have all the feeling that they are in the same boat and they connect to each other, they can relate to each other, they have the feeling that they are in a team. So I think that's that's very strong when it comes to community building. And then you can also think about elements like um, adding a weekly a weekly hangout. So when you are enrolled every week, it's going to be a weekly hangout. It can be on Zoom or yeah. not sure if Google Hangouts is still working. It doesn't really matter what platform. Just to have a moment each week where you, you, know, you talk to your students, um, see what's going on, answer some of their questions. Um, yeah, also being active. Or you can also add a, um, a Facebook group. I think a Facebook, I mean, yeah, Facebook is not really... Is, um, is is a bit messy, right? There are lots of distractions on Facebook, but there are good alternatives for that. Uh, there is a software called Circle, circle.co. It's a bit like Facebook, yeah. but it's very clean, right? So you pay, not really sure how much, but you, yeah, you pay a monthly fee and then um, you can have your own group where people can ha- hang out off Facebook without, without all the distractions. Um, yeah, yeah I, see, I think that... Yeah. No, that that I think you're exactly right. That that connection to to the creator, that connection to you, yeah. I think, is what a lot of um, people are seeking. That that you know, as you say, like a like a, a live Q and A or whatever it is. It's like you know, having your question answered, being heard. You know, as yeah, yeah, yeah. as a a member of a course, yeah. um, having your voice heard, I think, is is really valuable. So. That's, yeah, that's it, a great tip. It, it's yeah, very it's valuable to them, but it's also very valuable to you because the better you understand your customers, your your the better you know <clears throat> your customer avatar is. It's you know the the better content you can create for those guys, the more they're gonna buy, the better for the business, right? Um, Absolutely. Let me just yeah. see if I forgot anything. So, um, con- connection to the creator, right? You can do that. Well, they already have that connection through the YouTube channel, uh, live Q and A. A community, um, a community on Facebook or another platform. I think these are the most common ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then maybe have a, a challenge. But I mean, it also comes with downsides, right? Because if you do a challenge, you can only launch a few challenges per year, right? I mean, you can do one every single week, for example, which works for people with bigger audiences, but then there are like the groups are going to be mixed up right some people are going to be in the challenge for a month and the other one is just new in the group um it's also a good way if you have this community aspect it's harder for other people to steal your content right because <laughs> they can steal your content but they can't steal the community yeah right yeah so it's it's definitely something to worth definitely something uh, worth thinking about yeah about how to build that community aspect but hopefully um this conversation here with uh, with you tom has uh, helped our listeners with that um anything else that you want to mention any tips any recommendations for other follow uh, fellow online educators um who, who do have or who want to build and bigger online following um I mean, I would just—I would just say, like, I think your podcast is a, is a great resource. Um, I feel like there's there's a whole bunch of um, YouTube, you know, YouTube experts. I listen to video creators, uh, particularly on YouTube. There's so much, so much content out there. So much like 
information uh, that we can we can draw from um, that. Yeah, no, I, yeah, just I just continually learning, and then I think that's that's maybe maybe the lesson that I taking away from this conversation, and generally it's just uh, yeah, I think we're all still just you know in, in it, you know, we're in yeah, it, we're not. You know, no one's at the end. No one's been like, I've done it. I've succeeded. It's no. like, uh, like so continually battling the algorithms and continually trying to figure out how to create better content. Yeah. So I'm not really sure if I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but we have this. Um, so we are running a group which is called Lang- the Langpreneur Inner Circle, right? So it's a group of 12 creators, YouTubers um, with huge audiences that are in that group. Um, they're all super successful, making a lot of money. Um, almost living the dream, right? But then during these, when we do these these online hangouts, we 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 encourage people to to share some of their questions, uh, their struggles, and the questions that they're having. And when you listen to the questions and to the struggles, like they're they're very common struggles. Like the, everybody is is still learning, even those who you know with the biggest audience or who are making highest amounts of money or who are having the the best lifestyle everybody has everybody has problems it seems to be something that that never stops and uh yeah i think it's good to know because there is no perfect there is no perfection in in what we do right definitely and i think there's there's for me there's a mix i'm split between the two where i'm like striving to improve on on every level but also trying to remember like how fortunate how, how grateful i am and you know, there's the, the phrase like, you know, remember when you wanted what you have today. And, you know, when I started, the idea of being full time doing this was like a dream, complete dream to me. And so it's like, I know that yeah. I'm not where I want to be. Like, I, I, you know, I have big goals, I have big visions and I'm not there, but wow, I'm here. And yeah. I'm so grateful to be at this point. So it's, it's, it's having that balance, right? Yeah. Um, of ambition, but also gratitude as well. Yeah. I once read an article and it said that people who who have a rich neighbor are, are less happy <laughs> because you're always yeah. comparing yourself to, to somebody else who's more successful. Right. Um, yeah. but you know, another way to see it is that if you have a rich neighbor, it's just, you know, it, it can also motivate you or show how it's done, you know, show what's possible. So yeah, I think you should probably do both, right? Listen to these interviews and think by yourself, Oh, I wish I was that successful. Maybe I can learn from this guy. But at the same time also, uh, compare yourself to you know yourself five years ago um yeah to people who, who are just getting started who haven't found any kind of success yet um definitely yeah i also find like just as long as in in a day i've pushed things a bit further forward so whatever it is so if i was writing the book i've got this you know this page done okay i've pushed myself a little bit further towards my goal in that aspect and if if there's sort of um, I guess momentum um, every day. If I if I if I am going in the direction I want to go every day, it doesn't matter how far I've gone. As long as I've got that, I'm kind of I'm okay. I'm like right, that's okay. Like just and you know just knowing that that these things take time. Like I'm all about like the long vision, you know, the long term vision. It's like I, I'm not going to create this, this this online course I've, I've created. It's taken me like a year and. And it's and it will probably take me a bit longer, and I'll refine it, and that's okay. And like the take the long term vision and just stick to it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much, Tom. If people want to learn more about you and what it is you do, where can they go? 
Yeah, well, if they have any particular questions, they could email me at tom at eatsleepdreamenglish.com or, yeah, find me on Instagram uh, and YouTube. Just type in eatsleepdreamenglish and you'll, you'll find me there. Um, yeah, I'd love to, love to chat and get to know your audience as well. So thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Alright, thanks for listening to this episode and if you like this episode then please give it a positive rating in whatever podcast app that you're using and if you want to listen to other interviews or just learn more about what we do then make sure to go to our website creatorsmart.com See you on the next episode. Ciao.